Morena. Laurie Ross is our speaker for today, and her topic is Peacemakers Unite for a World Beyond War. Laurie describes her talk as a call to the people of New Zealand as a nuclear-free peacemaker nation to withdraw from militarization and warfare. It is a time for humanity to end the barbaric practice of war, to work for peace and justice. Love is the foundation of our Unitarian Fellowship, and the quest for truth leads to liberating our minds from warfare doctrines, threatening destruction of life on Earth. Humanity must end war before war ends humanity. My name is Shireen Caldwell, and I'll be your service leader for today. Tenakoto Unitarians, O Tamaki Makara, Tenakoto Na Manuhiri, Kutoko Inoa, Shireen Caldwell, No Oko Tipuna, England, Kete Noho Oki Tamaki Makara, Auckland, Tenakoto, Tenakoto, Tenakoto Katoa. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to our Auckland Unitarian Church. Welcome all fellow church members and visitors. Welcome if you join us via Zoom or physically present in the church building where Auckland Unitarians have gathered for more than 122 years. Welcome to people who may be, visit, uh, may be joining us online. And welcome to people who may view the service at a later date. All services are available on our website. If you are a first-time visitor, thrice welcome. And thank you for choosing to share this time with us in our free and responsible search for meaning. For those who join us in the physical church, please join us for tea and coffee after the service. It is our sacrament of hospitality. As I said, my name is Shireen Caldwell. I joined the church uh, about 1981. It's lost in the mists of time, I can't quite remember. But it has been my sanctuary for over 40 years. Our speaker today is Laurie Ross, who has been connected with our church for many years. Laurie once ran Dances for Universal Peace in the church, which I and many other Unitarians attended and I will introduce Laurie a little later on. Our opening words are adapted from the Reverend Shannon Wiley, a universal, uh, sorry, a Unitarian Universalist minister. It is said that churches are here to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. I say, we are all afflicted and we are all comfortable. May our time together this morning be a comfort and a confrontation. May we here find peace in times of tumult. May we invite tumult into our lives of peace. May we here find calm in times of restlessness. May we here allow restlessness to evolve into action. Let this be the place 
you consider what you've never considered. Let this be the place you imagine for yourself something new and unthinkable. May this hour bring dreams of new ways of being in the world. Come, let us worship together. Ruby, if you would come forward, please, and light the chalice. These chalice words embody compassion, hope, justice, and oppression. It includes a quote from the Quran, and they were written by a Unitarian Universalist minister, Sama el-Beite, in November last year, two months after the war in Gaza and Israel began in October. 2023. Suma is a UU Muslim of Iraqi descent. Lighting this chalice may feel difficult today. This symbol of justice, known to be a light of hope for the marginalized, a message of sanctuary for the oppressed, a flame that feels lost or diminished somehow. How do we rekindle this fire of compassion? How do we rekindle this fire of mercy? A famous verse within the Quran tells us that with hardship comes ease. We welcome the ease, O spirit of justice. We welcome the ease, O spirit of love. We welcome the ease and rekindle this flame from our tears, our quiet suffering, from our collective prayers, for those who cry for freedom. We welcome the ease and rekindle this flame on behalf of those who feel abandoned and betrayed. We welcome the ease and rekindle this flame for all the children who ask, why can we not live in peace as other children do? May lighting this chalice today, no matter how difficult it may feel, Help us to rekindle compassion and mercy within the deep crevices of our hearts so that we can once again bring justice and hope to a world struggling to find its humanity, struggling to find its soul. Would you please join me in reciting the covenant that Paul will now put up on the screen. Love is the doctrine of this church. The quest for truth is its sacrament, and service is its prayer. To dwell in peace, to humankind and fellowship, to the end that all souls shall grow in harmony. Thus do we covenant with our and with our God. The reading for this morning is Let Us Talk About Peace. Let us talk about peace for better life. Let us talk about peace for our happiness. Let us talk about peace in our common good. Let us talk about peace for peaceful life on earth. Let us talk about peace so there is no communal frenzy. 
Let us talk about peace so that we may cherish our smile. Let us talk about peace for achieving peace in society. Let us talk about peace for achieving peace in the country. Let us talk about peace to prevent destruction in the world. Let us talk about peace so that no mother or father loseth their son in the war. Let us talk about peace so that no child becomes an orphan. Let us talk about peace so that no daughter becomes a widow. Let us talk about peace so that there no, is no third world war on earth. Let us talk about peace to avoid the horror of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Let us talk about peace to eradicate poverty from the face of the earth. Let us talk about peace to make our mother earth a cradle of peace. These words were written by uh, Mamuta Chola, who is a contemporary Indian poet who writes in both English and in Urdu. I'll now introduce our speaker for this morning. Laurie Ross is a leading voice for New Zealand nuclear-free peacemakers and has been for over 40 years. She writes defense and foreign policy submissions and has organized hundreds of community events to nurture a culture for peace based on human rights, social justice, and the abolition of war. And both Wayne and I went to view an exhibition out in Didirangi uh, towards the end of last year, which was a wonderful exhibition, uh, which covered uh, many years of, uh, of her work in the peace movement. So it's my great pleasure to welcome Lauren Ross now to our, uh, to speak to us on the topic of, um, of peace, peace in our time. Laurie. people of nuclear-free New Zealand Aotearoa, the Blessed Isles in the far south of the Pacific Ocean, 
the land of kereru peace doves and giant kauri trees. The Tangata Whanua Marui and the five million people of every ethnicity and vibrant political, social, and cultural diversity. However, we share a common sense of unity around our higher values about the kind of peaceful, multicultural society we want to create together for ourselves and for humanity as a whole in harmony with the natural world. We are the Kaitiaki, the guardians of this land, this people, and the whole earth, Papatuanuku. Today, we are facing major existential threats to our beloved earth, from climate crisis, biodiversity destruction, pollution of the rivers, the oceans, the soil, the air, and outer space. However, the greatest and most immediate threat is still nuclear war and annihilation of civilization. The doomsday clock in the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists states that the world is 90 seconds to midnight, which means nuclear holocaust Armageddon. Yet there are still 12,000 nuclear weapons held by nine countries. Detonation of only 100 nuclear bombs in a couple of hours would be sufficient to kill us all, to kill, incinerate, and poison billions of people, and billions more would die slowly from radiation sickness and starve in a nuclear winter. The great scientist Albert Einstein, who helped create the nuclear bomb and witnessed the horror of Hiroshima in 1945, said, a new kind of thinking is essential if mankind is to survive. He realized that science and technology will not save us. He says, the destiny of civilized humanity depends more than ever on the moral forces it is capable of generating. Without ethical culture, there is no salvation for humanity. Each government is free to choose to reject the nuclear deterrence defense doctrines. Nations can proceed to disarmament as promised in 1970, right up to the present day, in the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, Article 6. Yet governments still refuse to relinquish weapons of mass destruction. The nuclear scientist Oppenheimer said, the people of this world must unite or they will perish. Thankfully, millions of us people have worked for the last 70 years to abolish nuclear weapons. Perhaps the most notable success is the UN Treaty for the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons agreed to by 122 nations in the 7th of July, 2017, which became international law in January of 2021, when 50 ratifications were received. This is a great victory for humanity.
and it was due to non-government organizations, we the people, organizing ourselves in the ICAN, the ICAN, the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons. It took over 10 years to complete that process, which is really, you could say, still only the halfway point. But there are greater problems that we must address, and that is state-institutionalized warfare. The platform for nuclear war and weapons is conventional warfare ideology and grotesque budgets of billions of dollars for every form of mass murder, high-tech weaponry. So the question is, ladies and gentlemen, is humanity doomed to perpetuate warfare, killing, unbearable suffering, ad infinitum, and human extinction? Or, as great philosopher, anti-nuclear and anti-war advocate, Lord Bertrand Russell said, neither misery nor folly seems to me the inevitable lot of man. I am convinced that intelligence, patience, and eloquence can, sooner or later, lead the human race out of its self-imposed tortures. So, the next question, how can we stop military aggressors without resorting to warfare? We are right to condemn Russia's military invasion, war, and destruction of Ukraine. We are right to condemn Hamas' massacre of 1,200 Israelis, and right to condemn Israel's relentless bombing in Gaza, killing over 28,000 Palestinians and starving them. We are right to object to billions of dollars for militarization nuclear weapons under the guise of defense budgets and the misnomer of security. The major winners are weapon corporations. There are no military solutions to our problems. The greatest threat to humanity is warfare itself. The Russell-Einstein Manifesto, 1955, posed the crucial question, shall we put an end to the human race or shall mankind renounce war? Even more relevant in 2024. Thus, my proposal to you, in order to stop humanity repeating the horrors of war, we must cease propagating militarist warfare ideology and violent cultural indoctrination. This means, number one, we must lobby our governments to adopt peace policies for national and international human security. Two, this requires commitment by millions of people in many countries to work for a world beyond war. But how do we end a war, you will say? Definition of war. When one group nation violently attacks another who then violently defends itself in extended military operations of mass murder and destruction over time, it's a war. However, the rest of the world has a choice to either take sides and add military fuel and hatred to the fire or 
to advocate for peace based on justice. Five steps. Number one, cease fire with UN peacekeeper corridors to supply the humanitarian aid for the civilians. Two, mediation to facilitate the dialogue between the protagonists. Three, truth and reconciliation process. Share the pain, the trauma, the grievances, and address the real causes. And I will name a few of them because they're deep and they're, you could say, eternal. But they take different forms at different times, and here they are. Fear, fear, fear. Hate, greed, injustice, occupation, oppression, ignorance, deceit, betrayal, distrust. So we aren't going to vanquish or eliminate those tendencies which will recur again and again. But what we can do is limit and contain them and not allow them to expand into huge military confrontations organized by states, state governments. So this requires peacemaking diplomacy at the highest level by trusted facilitators to negotiate peace treaties based on justice. And I would add to that generosity, compassion, and peace education. So this involves a lot of skilled organization. And as our friend Dr. Martin Luther King said, those who love peace must learn to organize themselves as effectively as those who love war. This insight inspires practical action using Unitarian principles like number six, the goal of world community with peace, liberty, and justice for all. We have our ethical platform for peacemakers and peace workers to unite for a world beyond war, for us to pursue the human right and freedom from state-organized warfare. Our Unitarian Vakapapa history of peace activism is cause for hope to end the abomination of war. Our Unitarian Reverend Clay Nelson presented a sermon in 2015 on conscientious objectors honoring those who have fought for peace. Our Auckland Unitarian historian Wayne Facer has written books documenting our New Zealand peace history through the lives of Reverend William Jelly in A Vision Splendid and Norman Murray Bell in prophet at the gate. He includes a chapter on Larry Ross, a Unitarian from Canada who immigrated to New Zealand with his family from Montreal to Christchurch 1962 and established the Bertrand Russell Peace Foundation Australasian branch. Ross was also the secretary founder of the New Zealand Nuclear Free Zone Committee and Peacemaking Association. 1981 to 2007, and his work is continued to this day. The New Zealand Nuclear Free Zone Campaign achieved the goal in 1984 after only three years of intensive public education, media publicity, 
and political lobbying. A plethora of new community peace groups succeeded in 96 local councils declaring nuclear-free zones covering 65% of the population of New Zealand. The Labour Party government was elected into power on this peace policy platform in 1984 due to well-organised peace public pressure. The campaign achieved 105 local zones declaring nuclear-free, 72% of the population by 1987. And so the government, re-elected, fulfilled its promise to enshrine the policy as the New Zealand Nuclear Free Zone Disarmament and Arms Control Act of 1987. And we have protected this policy for over 36 years. But now we must move forward and develop our peacemaking defense and foreign policy and our role in the international community of nations as a peacemaker. So I call upon you, peacemakers, peace workers, unite for a world beyond war. Aotearoa is already a leader in the human race against the arms race. On this platform, we the people can convince political parties to withdraw from warfare strategies and alliances, and the peacemaking policies are the true foundation for national and international security. The drivers for peace in the UNESCO Constitution says, since wars begin in the minds of men, and is in the minds of men and women, that the defenses of peace must be constructed. So this brings us back to the core of peace education and peace culture, such as we are cultivating in this fellowship. And people would say, but how do we spread it to the whole country or to the whole world? I say, it's not that difficult. Look what we've done with Maori culture over the last 10, 20 years, raising it from obscurity or from being marginalized to being mainstream, to being equal, to being dominant. Maori culture, we love it just requires billions of dollars put into that kind of cultural program and indoctrination. But that's the kind we want, and we want it to be so beautiful, so good, and so popular that everyone wants to do it and have it. So I'll just mention a couple of our great New Zealand nuclear-free international peacemaker leaders. Alan Ware is number one, I think, in this on the world stage, and he is devoted his whole lifetime, right from the 80s through to the present day, to nuclear disarmament. And he shares Gandhi's vision of a world federation of free nations for prevention of aggression and exploitation by one nation over another. Alan Ware is championing a new campaign, Law, Not War, for achieving justice, abolition of nuclear weapons, and ending state warfare. Now this can be done through international law and humanitarian law, which are already established. Cases of violation can be taken to the International Court of Justice and International Criminal Court, although legal rulings may not yet be enforceable or adhered to, they do provide us with the highest level 
of legal jurisdiction and moral values in the global public domain. And this is underlying, or shall we say overarching, the United Nations Charter, which unites humanity on peace principles since 1945, determined to save succeeding generations from the scourge of war. And the UN Declaration for Human Rights, 1948, is the mandate for justice and freedom for all people of every race, religion, creed, and country. 194 member states are also committed in principle to the UN 17 Sustainable Development Goals for all people to have food, water, health care, sanitation, housing, education, protection from poverty, violence, and war. The SDGs also call for environmental protection of rivers and seas, replenishing the soil, replanting the trees, and renewable energy to reduce the climate devastation. SDG number 16, Peace, Justice, and Security, was expanded by UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres in Securing Our Common Future and Agenda for Disarmament. In order to fulfill the SDGs, nations must proceed with disarmament, demilitarization, and redirection of military spending for social and environmental well-being. I draw your attention to another great peace leader, Daisaku Ikeda, president of the Soka Gakkai Buddhist Humanist Organization over 58 years, who died in 2023. Ikeda calls for a peaceful revolution. He calls it an inner revolution of the individual, which is essential along with the outer revolution to end militarism and warfare by peaceful means. In conclusion, I offer you World Beyond War as a non-government organization at the cutting edge of international civil society, using well-reasoned argument to overcome warfare doctrines. It is led by David Swanson, an American who dedicates his life to serving humanity for abolishing warfare that plagues the planet. He provides us with practical guidelines to do this, in his book, A Global Security System, An Alternative to War. I recommend it as the focus for a study group, a public advocacy group in this Unitarian Fellowship and beyond. I am committed to New Zealand nuclear-free peacemakers and invite people to join me in this peacework rooted in the soul soil of Aroha Nui this philosophical, spiritual foundation of Unitarians. Love is the doctrine of this church and the quest for truth, its sacrament. Let us carry on this intellectual labor of love as the peacemakers united for a world beyond war. Tenokoto, tenokoto, tenokoto katoa. Thank you.
Laurie, thank you for your deeply, deeply moving and deeply researched address this morning. I'm feeling quite choked up with hearing your, um, the depth of your research and your passion for peace. Um, because there was such a lot of information there, people. It will be available on our website uh, later in the week. Paul, you will put it up at some time, yes. Thank you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. I'd now ask uh, Ruby to come and extinguish the chalice for me. Please join us now in reciting the words that will be on the screen. We extinguish this flame but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts until we are together again. Our closing words are, wherever we are, love is. And they're by Deborah Hafner who is a, uh, a Unitarian Universalist minister. As we enter another week of uncertainty in the world, let us remember that there is only one side, the side of humanity and planet Earth. May we pray for peace, may we raise our voices with our elected officials and engage as we can in acts of resistance and may we remember to take very good care of ourselves, each other, and those we love. Well, now it's your turn. So we'll now uh, break into small groups um, and we discuss uh, the topic that will be up on the screen very soon. Um, and I'd ask you just to, after the discussion, just one person in the group um, to offer to just give a pricey of what were the issues that were discussed in your group. Um, we'll have a, a discussion group for about, about 15 to 20 minutes. We'll see how we go. Um, and we'll also, have we got people online? Good, excellent. So we'll alternate between uh, the church and the online discussion groups for feedback. So could I ask you now to go into groups of, um, say, four or five? And uh, there is the, uh, the question on the, uh, on the screen.